This is a summary of the end of this mimer, where we've summarized that there are three forms of tshuva. And we went on to explain that in a certain sense, there are four. So we laid out the map that tshuva is to toshuv hay, to return the hay. Now, there are two levels of hay in the name of Hashem. There's yud hay and there's vav hay. So there's two hays, and there's the way the hay is aligned with the yud and the way the hay is aligned with the vav. Now, there is tshuva tata and tshuva ilah, which appear to suggest there's only two levels of tshuva. We, of course, have advocated for three, and we're going to talk about why we don't even say there's four. We also introduced the idea that the term bal tshuva means that you are the master, you are the mashpia of tshuva. So the summary of the mimer explains that there are two levels in tshuva tata, the return of that hey. One is through the avoidance of evil, the sor meira, and the sor meira prohibits or prevents the kedusha from being hijacked away by klipa. And then there's the asetayv, which allows us to reach to a higher level to bring it down into this physical world. And that reattaches the hay to the vav, the vav, which represents the midos, the six midos, and the vertical shape of the vav, which represents the drawing down of godliness into this physical world. When we, chas v'shalom do averus, we take the hay away from the vav, and when we do tshuva, we return it to. Then there is this greater level where we return the first hay to the yud, so the Yud represents Chachma and the Hei Bina. So now we're talking about we can even become a Baal Tshuva, we can even bring down from a higher level and connect it to the Hei, to be Mashpia on that Hei. If so, why is that Hei, uh, which is also subdivisible into two levels, not considered a fourth level of Tshuva? So we explain because Chachma and Bina actually match together. They're two inseparable entities to uh, friends who are inseparable, and therefore it is only counted as one. This is further summarized in, as we explained earlier, the, the Mimer said that tshuva is suggested in the letters, Beis Chafresh, translation as Bechor, and now we have this fourth level. So we explained that the word itself is a form of, uh, of tshuva. So there's the individual letters and the way they coalesce as a word. And we explained the different interpretations and followed that metaphor that just like the Bechor initiates the womb, so too is it suggestive of an initiation that Hashem brings to us that far outweighs the uh, investment of our Isarusa de la Sata, that is Hashem's Isarusa de la That essentially finishes that Maimer of Parshashlach. And now we move into uh, Parshas Pinchas. In Parshas Pinchas, the, the Alter Rebbe begins with the Maimon that says, Savis Pnei Yisrael va'martaleya, command the Jewish people and tell them, as Karbani lachmi le'ishai, my carbon, my bread, my fire, ve'amarta lehem, and say, ze'ha'isha. We asked, why does it say, ve'amarta, ve'amarta twice? So we started to explain that every mitzvah has to be effectuated in machshava dibra ma'isa. And we see this in Karbanis. There's the machshava of the Karbanis, which is comparable to davening. There is the Dibor, which is the study of the Karbanas, as we know. Whoever engages in the study of Karbanas is if he effectuated the Karbanas. And then there's the actual deed of the Karbanas. So we ask the question, why is it that Karbanas are specifically described as Reich Nechayich? Every mitzvah is the fulfillment of Hashem's will. Why are Karbanas particularly a pleasant aroma? And we asked, 
Why is it that carbonus have to be done in the base of Migdash? The study of the carbonus, the davening, those other parts don't have to be done in the base of Migdash. Why does the Maisek characteristic of carbonus have to be done in the base of Migdash? So we went on to explain that we are in a time here in this physical world to do mitzvahs, and the consequence of those mitzvahs, the schar, that comes later in the times of Olam uh, Haba. So we went on to explain that the difference between Olam Hazah and Olam Haba is that in Olam Haba, everything is locked away. And in Olam Hazah, there's opportunity for fluctuation. So, for example, in a fully developed person, you can't change the feet to the head. But in the developing fetus, you can nuance out and distinguish and, and, and reshape the, uh, the character. And this is why in the world of uh, Olam Haba, you have a very rigid separation of right and left. Michal of Ava and Gavriel of Yira. Um, but in this world where you have the opportunity for tshuva, and you can rearrange the circumstances and you are not locked in to the way it is created now because you have the opportunity to reach through tshuva to the indistinguishable level that is superior to the rigidity of how it is manifest in Olam Haba, which is called the world where everything is clarified, which of course has the virtue that you see the good and you see the bad, and they don't mix. It also, though, has the detriment of being locked, which is not the case in this physical world.